0: If you were gone last week, we started a new series. We're calling it The Tudes. Everybody say, The Tudes. That's right. And so if you missed last week, you can go back and check that out online uh, on our website. You can hear the audio version of it. But uh, our whole premise of this series that we're doing is um, that each and every one of us uh, probably still have some attitudes that aren't quite... Quite like Christ. Our key scripture last week was talking about take off the old self and put on the new new self, uh, and to be renewed in the attitude of our minds like Christ. To be like Christ, take on the new attitude. And some of us still have some of those old attitudes, and they're kind of left over, you know, because for some of us, the way we were raised. Uh, for others of us, you know, it's because of uh, the, the, what, what we called last week the soul food, that which you're putting into your soul, the music you're listening to, uh, you know, the things that you're involving yourself in on social media, and as a result, that's become your tood because that's what, you, uh, that's what you're eating, that's what you're putting in, you put junk in, you get junk out. The other piece that we kind of identified was that some of the attitudes that we have are because of unmet expectations. Things that happened in our life, we expected it to go this way, it didn't go that way, and as a result, we're just like whatever. And so we have this toot about us, and uh, and we need to take the old toot off and put the new tude or the tude of Christ on. And then for others of us, just habit. It's what your grandma did. It's what it's what everybody uh, you know in your family did. And now it's just habit for you. You just the moment somebody says something to you, you just catch that tude. It's what you've always done. Uh, I was laughing be, uh, last week because you know, there are different folks in my life that I'm interacting with, and the moment I start telling them something they don't really like, they immediately, it's amazing to watch, they have a tell now, their tude gives it away, you know, rolling, looking in the eyes or something like that, or twitch or something like that, now I know their tude and, uh, and their, and uh, you know, their little, their little switch now, and now that I know it, I'm going to flip that switch, anyway, I'm going to push on that, anyway, so I talked about, uh, last week we talked about the impact of the old self-attitudes. The old self, not the new self in Christ, but the old self attitudes. The impact, guys, it's destroying our relationships. Those old tudes are destroying our relationships. They're they're uh, they're they're squandering opportunities. There are those of you that should have had raises and bonuses and promotions, and you didn't realize it's because you got an attitude. And are uh, some of us, you know, it's uh, uh, we we've missed out on what God was doing right here in this moment, and we devalued the mission. Because of our attitude, we didn't like where we're at right now, the mission that God has us on right now, because we keep trying to get somewhere else, and we think it's so much better down the road if we could ever get there, that we devalue what today right here is, and the mission that God has right now in our circumstance, in our situation. And the other piece that we said was an impact of our attitude, and that is, is that it is causing some of us to miss our miracles. We're missing them because we have an attitude, and so today, as we go into the second part of the tudes, if you will, and let me explain so the reason why we have all these emojis up is because uh, I thought it was interesting I remember the day I remember way back in the day some of you remember when we actually had conversations face to face I remember that and uh, now it seems like that the only conversations are through Twitter or texting or whatever through digital devices. well I thought it was hilarious that that you know in interaction in communication uh, you you have to be able to really to understand communication. You got to be able to see the attitude as well, which is the feeling and the thought process. And you know how that is. You can tell what somebody's thinking in the middle of a conversation just by their body language, the attitude that they give off, what they say, how they say it. But you can't get that in text messaging. So uh, you know, over the last couple of years, people realize I need to be able to express my. In the midst of this texting communication So they created emojis or emotions To help express your attitude about what you're communicating about And I told last week There are now at at the end of June Which is just a few days ago There were 2,666 emojis that's a lot of tudes. Come on everybody. And that's a lot of tudes that we're all trying to express. And so as a result, that kind of became our theme, if you will, to back up the whole tude concept. So as we jump into today's teaching, we're going to talk about how to change our tudes. Last week we were identifying them. We were talking about the impact that they have on our life. This week we're going to talk about how to change them. And then next week, I'm so excited because Ms. Jamie McCain's going to be ministering to us, and she yeah, come on, get up, and she's going to actually teach us how to have Christ attitude in the midst of the difficult moments, of our, the power of the right attitude in the midst of difficulty. She'll be teaching us about that. And so today we have a key scripture. So let's go ahead and turn there to Philippians chapter 2 and verse 5. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 5. And this is what that passage says, and we're, again, we're talking about changing your toots today. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 5, key scripture, and that is your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Now let me kind of put this scripture in perspective uh, so as not to just extract a piece and try to build from it, but let's actually talk about what Paul was talking about. So he opens up chapter, uh, chapter 2 with, um, with the Philippians by saying, listen, hey, you guys need to love one another. You need to take care of one another. He starts going into, you know, there should be no selfish ambition amongst you guys. Uh, you need to care about the interest of not only your own, but of the interest of others in the body of Christ. So he's, he's telling the Philippians, listen, you need to actually care for one another. You need to love one another. He's talking about their attitude. And then he quotes verse 5, as we've quoted here today, or we extracted. And then he says, let your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. So he said, hey guys, y'all need to do better with caring for one another. you got attitude attitudes towards one another. You need to change that. In fact, your attitude needs to be that of Jesus Christ. And then he goes on from there, and he qualifies the attitude of Jesus Christ. He says, because he was a servant of all. He humbled himself. He came down to this planet in the form of a man. He humbled himself and took on the servanthood of all, which is really the core attitude of who Jesus Christ was. And Paul is acknowledging that and putting that into perspective. And so today, again, our key scripture that you and I can take away from this teaching, you remember nothing else. Remember this, let us Take on the attitude of Christ. Somebody say amen. Isn't that good? See, here's the problem about bad attitudes. A bad attitude is like a flat tire. You can't get anywhere until you change it. Come on, somebody. That's the truth. You can't get anywhere until you change that bad attitude. You can't figure out why I'm not moving as fast as everybody else to check your attitude. And so with that being said today, you know, I get people all the time say, well, that's easy for you to say, Pastor. You got a great job, you get to minister, you got, you know, you got you, you you got a beautiful wife, and all those things are true. But friend, let me just say something to you. Probably, uh, if you really research who I am, you would find that my attitude in the midst of all my difficulty and, and hardship has literally created, if you will, or enabled to enhance my situation so that I have a great life. And I have a great minister. But here's 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 some questions I'd like to ask. Uh, was it really a bad day last week or was it five minutes that you milked all day long? How about this? Is it really a terrible job or is it a decent job that your bad attitude is destroying? How about this? Is it really a bad marriage or is it a redeemable marriage if you would just humble yourself and put the effort into it? Has God really done you wrong or is it just the fact that you're in a battle against your will versus his will. Friend, can I explain something to you? Attitude is what literally is holding back the bulk of the body of Christ and the world as we know it. Simply because they can't find the right attitude in the midst of all that's going on. And as a result, they sour their life. They sour their marriages. They sour their work experiences. And they sour their relationship with the living God. Today I want to look at 2 Kings chapter 5, and we'll do a study of a man by the name of Naaman. Everybody say Naaman. We're going to look at Naaman and his twos. Naaman and his twos. Now, Naaman was this great military strategist, and he was the chief general, if you will, uh, for the country of Aram, and which is a country right next to Israel. And so uh, somewhere in his adulthood, he contracted leprosy. Now, leprosy um, would be comparable to our Ebola of our our era or maybe the worst part of cancer, worst type of cancer. It's a death sentence. Once you extract, uh, contracted uh, leprosy, um, you're, it's just a matter of days, months, years, whatever. You're dead. It's, you're, you're dead. It's already been. It's already been decided. You have leprosy. It start with little spots on their skin would begin turning colors as their skin begins to literally rot, rot down through their flesh to the bones. Most of the times they would lose extremities, noses, ears, uh, fingers, things like that. It was hideous. It was embarrassing, and 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 it was a long, agonizing death process. And for the most of The Middle East in the biblical time frame They would then be extracted They weren't allowed to be uh, within walled cities They couldn't live amongst the people And so here's this man who's very important In a neighboring country of Iran, Who's very, very uh, powerful Who's a dignitary Who's a strategist And who is, if you will, almost like the number two In the kingdom of Aram But he has this little servant girl who's from Israel And she tells Naaman's wife She says, shouldn't my master Consider going over to Israel for there is a prophet in Israel named Elisha and he can cure the leprosy so she begins to work a little bit on the mistress if you will until she tells her husband and finally at some point Naaman looks up and says I'm going to Israel because I'm dead anyway and he goes to his king and he says king I'd like to go over to Israel you know you don't just you're not you're, you can't be a dignitary from another country and just show up in another country unannounced you know cuz that could be an act of war especially since he's a top general and so the, the king says, Yeah, no problem. He texts over to the king of Israel and says, Hey, listen, my buddy's coming over, and uh, I need you to get him healed of leprosy. The king gets the text, he's like, Oh, how am I gonna heal this guy? I can't heal anybody. And the prophet Elijah hears about it, he says, Sending to my house. Sending to my house. I'll show you who God is. Because you big sissy king. Anyway, sending to my house. So can you imagine? Damon loads up on Air Force One, lands at the local, you know, airport. Has the whole military, you know, surrounding him. I mean, you've got snipers on the roof all around, uh, you know, the prophet Elisha's house where he's going to be brought into. They've got their black SUV double hump camels pulling up. They've got all their guys with their little earplugs in. The eagle has landed. They're all getting out of the black SUVs ready. Naaman walks out. He's completely surrounded by all his men, all his other dignitaries. This is a big old deal because he's going to go to church and get himself fixed up. Come on, somebody. He knocks on. On the door of, a, of Elisha's house, and Elijah doesn't even come to the door. He sends his servant and tells the servant, Tell the man that uh, he is to go down to the Jordan River and dip seven times. So you picture this, there's a knock at the door. Can you imagine? Come on, has, did your mama ever send you to the door when she didn't want to talk to somebody? You're that servant. So you, he goes to the door, and there's the big fanfare. Ba-da-da-da! Naaman has arrived. And he's standing there with all of his money surrounding him, with all his protection de- uh, force. Uh, he's got all the secret service. You've got snipers on the roof. He's standing there. The door opens, and there's the little servant guy. And he says, I'm sorry, um, um, my master's unavailable, but he told me to tell you go dip seven times in the Jordan. <laughs> Shuts the door. Can you imagine the disrespect. I mean, how humiliating is that? What are all the guys standing around going, oh my God, somebody's gonna die, they're gonna die. And let's pick up, if you will, in verse 11 of 2 Kings chapter 5 to see Naaman's attitude in response to a bad experience that he just had. But Naaman went away angry and said, I thought. He would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God, wave his hand over the spot, and cure me of leprosy. So listen, he has an unmet expectation. He pictures in his mind as they're flying over to Israel, as they get into the the caravan of SUVs blacked out, he's picturing in his mind that he's going to show up. They're going to now... The doors are going to open out into the middle of the courtyard and out will walk the great priest of God, the great prophet of God with all his entourage as Naaman walks up with all of his entourage. And then the great man of God will pause all the communications. Quiet! I call to thee, O great heavenly Father, that you would open the heavens and pour down your glory on this the neighboring servant of yours who's wicked, but we don't care. We need a healing. Naaman pictures this all in his mind. And then he would wave his hand over the spot. Come, holy God, heal. And all of a sudden, Naaman would feel the power. And all of a sudden, it would all be gone. That's what he pictures in his mind. But what he gets is, uh, Hello, uh, my, my master says uh, uh, go dip seven times into Jordan. <laughs> That's what he gets. So it says that he went away angry. And, uh, and, then, and then let's pick up in verse 12. Um, uh, let's pick up in verse 12. It says, uh, Are not Abna and Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than any of the waters of Israel? Can't I wash in them and be cleansed? So he turned and went off in a rage You talk about a tood, friend. He's ticked off first and foremost that he's been disrespected, dishonored, humiliated in front of all his bros. Not only that, but does he not know who I am? And then, then he gives him a task, and the task is to go to the Jordan River. I grew up around the Mississippi River. I would never go in the Mississippi River. Because where we're at in Louisiana, everybody's poop from upstream comes down to my spot right there. And so can you imagine? He's like, of all the rivers, we've got clean rivers, springs coming right up out of the ground, fresh water that we bottle and send all around the world, call it Fiji water, and and make them spend $8 a bottle. This is the river I want to be cleansed in, not your old nasty river. So he goes away in a rage. Look at verse 13. Naaman's servants went to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do something great, Would you not have done it? How much more then when he tells you to wash and be cleansed? So he went down and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times. As the man of God had told him, and his flesh was restored and became clean like that of a young boy. In verse 15, then Naaman, with all of his attendants, went back to the man of God, stood before him and said, Now I know there is a God, there is no God in all the world except that God of Israel. Come on, somebody. Isn't that powerful? So, so the servants come to him as he's in the midst of his whole attitude. And they say, Sir... Dad, Papa, Miho, i mean, whatever you know—they, <laughs> Pastor—you know—they come to him, with, in, with with just sincerity and love and care for this man, and said, "Listen, if he'd have told you to go stand on top of a mountain, and lift one leg and balance for an hour." and hold up lightning bolts in your hand, you would have done it. If he'd have told you to give all your money to the poor, you'd have done it. All he told you to do was go down to an old nasty river and dip seven times. And that started the process of change for this man. And I want you to identify the process of change when it comes to our bad attitudes. Number one, the first thing that happens to him is he has revelation. He has a revelation. How dumb am I being right now? My prayer for you last week, this week, the weeks to come, is that you would have a revelation of how bad your attitude really is. That you just see it. He didn't see it. He was offended. He was done dirty. It's the way he was raised. To expect the people to treat him in a certain way. He was mistreated. He was embarrassed. He had an unmet expectation. And his habit, when he's done wrong, is to fly off in a a, a rage and say, I will tell you one thing. And in, in his rejection, in his, in his humiliation, he has an attitude. And until <laughs> little servant people said, Papa, Daddy, Father, wouldn't it, if he'd have told you to do something crazy big, you'd have done it. This is about you living and not dying. He had a revelation. My attitude is going to keep me from my miracle. Here's the second part of the process that we see he had, and that was he then humbled himself. He humbled himself. Some of you have a revelation that you have a bad attitude, but you're not willing to humble yourself. When you come to the place of humility, say, Listen, I would rather have a good marriage than be right. I would rather have a fun work environment. Then go there frustrated, stressed out, agitated Because of all the inappropriate stuff they're doing And you just say, you know what, I get a revelation that my attitude is a result of all their stupidity And so as a result, you know what I got a revelation that's not like Christ I'm going to take on the attitude of Christ Take off the old attitude of the way I've been living Take on the attitude of Christ And as a result, you know what, I'm going to just humble myself And I'm just going to make this place a great place I'm just going to make this environment a great environment I'm going to humble myself And God's going to help me bring about something supernatural And then the last Part of this process after he humbles himself, he goes and he acts. Actions involved in this process. He goes and he dips seven times. Can you imagine the first time he's got he's got fingers falling off? His nose looks like a big old cancer tumor, is eating to the side of, and he takes that first dip. One, nothing, two, nothing, three, four, five, six. And when he comes out the seventh time, it says his skin was that. That of a young boy, what that means, is like a toddler, a child. You know how perfect their little skin is? There's no zits. Come on, teenagers. There's no, there's no, listen, there's no sunspots. Come on, old people. <laughs> you know, there's, there's nothing. There's no wrinkles. It's beautiful. Can you imagine? That would be a great Steven Spielberg movie. I mean, can you imagine? He goes down in there and then... I mean, I want that water. Come on, let's go to the Jordan today. We're all going to go make that happen. And what we see is in that moment of his action, and here's the thing you got to understand. We need to stop talking about it, and what we need to do is go do something about it. Stop talking about it and go do something about it. Yeah, come on. How many of you old enough to remember Hoosiers? Come on, somebody. Half of us. Good job. I love you guys. Thank you so much. What I love about this clip and the reason why I played it is because of this one thought process. And that is this. If you can change your attitude, you can change everybody else's attitude. And what would have been a loser situation can become a winning situation simply because you changed your attitude. Here's the truth you got to understand. You can change your attitude. God will do miracles when you and I change our attitude. It's within our power to actually take action that will cause our attitudes to change. So I want to give you a couple thoughts, a couple action points for your attitude change. Because all of us need an attitude change and everybody ought to shout amen right there. We all need some attitude change. So let me give you a couple action points for your attitude change. Number one, think on these things. Write that down. Think on these things. So what does that mean? Well, let me, what I'm doing is I'm actually quoting Philippians chapter 4. Think on these things. Look at Philippians chapter 4 verses 8 and 9. It says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, not what's perverted, what's pure, whatever is lovely, not what is dirty and wicked and frustrating, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Paul is telling the Philippians, he says, listen, you're all caught up in your brain about everything else. He says, think on those things which were honest. Guys, you keep, do you realize you spend so much brain space worried about what that person really meant instead of what they said? What they might are gonna, coulda, woulda do that might could harm you and your progression in your business or blah, 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 blah. And you're thinking on those things that are not true. You don't know. All the time, my team will come to me and say, Pastor Adam, so and so, they said this. And we don't know if they're going to do this or we're going to do this. And i just say, listen, 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 listen. I can't think about that. All I can do is think about what they said and what they did, the things that are right and true. Everything else is guessing. I don't really know. I I don't have a grasp of what they were really doing or thinking, but I know this. I'm not going to fill my mind with the what ifs, the could have beens. I don't really know if they had my best interest in mind. I can't live in that space. Why? Because as I think on those things, it destroys me. But instead, Paul says, listen, don't think on those things. Think on those things which are lovely and pure and honest and of a good report. I love the way the Message Bible translates this out. Let's let's read it in the Message. It's Says summing it all up, friends, I'd say you'll be uh, you'll do best by filling your minds and meditating on things that are true, that are noble, that are reputable, that are authentic, that are compelling, that are gracious. He says, in the honest, not the worst, the beautiful, not the ugly things to be praised, not things to curse, and put into practice what you've learned from me, what you've heard and saw and realized. Do that, and God, who makes everything work together, will work you into his most excellent harmonies. What he's saying is God will bring peace to you and you'll come into harmony with him when you're not thinking about what everybody else is thinking on. When you're not weighed down by what might have, could have, should have didn't happen. Some of you are still replaying the situation that happened 10 years ago and you're mad because you didn't handle it right. You're mad because she said something and you walked away and didn't say something back. If I ever get a chance back at her, I'll tell you one thing. I'm going to tell her. Give her a piece of my mind. And the next person that accidentally says something that like your big sister said the at your mom's funeral, the next person who dare says something close to that at work, wow-pow, You're going to unleash on them. Why? Because you've been thinking on those things. You want to change your attitude? You, there's an action point, and that is start thinking on those things which are lovely, and honest, and of a good report. We had this family in our church. Uh, it was a homeschool family, and they, I think they had like 15 kids. I don't remember. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe five. Anyway, there was a bunch of them. And they were in our youth ministry and stuff like that. And this and this family uh, lived kind of out in the country, and they had a retreat center. And uh, and we would do all of our encounter retreats out there. And we would do our, before we went on missions, we'd go out there and we'd do, you know, prep work for missions. And we'd do activities and ropes courses and stuff. And and so I'll, I'll never forget one particular time we were all out there at their retreat center. And the way that the, this family ran their retreat center was their children were the workers. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I say, Amen. Hey, man, come on, that was old school right there. And, uh, and so I'll never forget, we were going through the lunch line. And here's these teenagers who... Whose mom and dad? This is their retreat center. They're serving us food, but this is all their friends from their youth group. So they're a little embarrassed that they're sitting there serving the food, kind of thing, and uh, kind of got an attitude, kind of acting, you know, kind of kind of goofy and that kind of stuff. And all of a sudden, I hear their mom yell from the back, "Attitude check!" And all the kids in unison went, "Praise the Lord." Well, Mama wasn't satisfied with that. She yelled it out again. I said, attitude check. And they all went, praise the Lord. She didn't like that one either. She said one more time, really, I said, attitude check. And they all went, praise the Lord. And I was sitting there going, wow. You know what she understood? See, they were thinking about how it wasn't fair that they had to work. They were thinking how it wasn't good that, you know, they were embarrassed because they trying to flirt with that girl that they go to youth group with, but now they serving her mashed potatoes. And in the midst of all that, she had trained them, when you got a bad attitude because you're thinking on the wrong things, I'm going to get you thinking on the right thing, and that is, he is the king of kings and the Lord of lords, and that no weapon formed against you can prosper. All those that rise up against you shall fall. You need to be grateful that you got a mom and dad who love you. You need to be grateful we got food on the table, and we get to love hurting people and be a service to the church. And that, when they said that that praise the lord something shifted i started saying oh we using that from now on buddy so y'all might be careful around church on the hill you might hear me shouting attitude check and then you will respond with praise the lord amen 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 here's a second action that you can take to get rid of those bad attitudes and that is you need to quarantine the negative influence quarantine it my grandfather in the 50s contracted tuberculosis in those days, they didn't have a strong cure for it, so what they did was they quarantined him. Took him out of the public, put him in a, in, a, in a hospital room where no one could get to him. The nurse could go in and out. They had a little glass window. He could talk through to my grandmother once a week, but he was quarantined. And as some of you are thinking this through. So, you, Pastor, you want me to quarantine the negative influence? That means my husband has to live in the garage for the rest of the year. That's so what I'm saying. I'm not saying cut people out of your life. What I'm simply saying is quarantine the influence. In other words, what I mean by that: don't engage it. Don't engage it. Now, you know, some of you guys, you find yourself you're sitting around the coffee pot almost every Monday complaining about what you don't like about the boss and the new policies that they put in place. What you need to learn to do is quarantine that. You can't kick all your employees and all your coworkers out of your life. You can't just cut them off. I can't talk to you. You're, you're negative. Hallelujah, you're negative, praise the Lord yeah. I mean, come on But what you can do is you can quarantine That conversation, that thing that begins Some of you, uh, you, you what you need to learn to do Is, it, like, we'll, we'll do this around the, I'll do this sometimes with people in my life They'll get to complaining about something and, and this ain't fair and this ain't right And I'll just say, come on, let's pray, come on, let's just pray And they're like, ugh And I'm like, Father, we just pray for this person and they're like, yeah, we pray for them Pray hemorrhoids, that's what we pray on them right there that's an Old Testament prayer, just want to say. And so, they, and so, and, and so you, what you can do is engage that, not in the negativity, but turn that into a positive engagement for the kingdom of God. I, some of our, like our, our young adults, I'm always challenging them periodically because they're so addicted to social media. I dare them all the time. I dare you to fast social media for a month. My life sucks. I'm still single and I'm 80. I mean life is terrible and I hate my job and da and da and I'll tell them I said I tell you give me a give me a chance. How about you fast social media for a month? Just don't inter- interact on it. It's amazing. All of a sudden they're like, God is so good. He's talking to me, and I feel the glory of the Lord coming down. <laughs> all because what they did, they quarantined where that negativity was coming from. Because every time they got on social media, they thought they felt all their friends were doing better than they were because they were in comparison. You got to quarantine it. And so that doesn't mean cut people out of your life or you can't quarantine your boss. They're like, boss, you're not allowed to talk to me but through this class. I mean, but what I mean by that is you, gotta, you can't engage in it. So by quarantining, I'm using the verbiage quarantine so that, you know, it's still in my life, but it doesn't have the power to engage me and, and affect me in a negative way. Isn't that good? Somebody say, yes, that's his good preaching. I don't care who you are right there. All right, number three. Here's the third thing that you, you and I can do, and that is we need to stop the rut syndrome. Write it down and I'll explain it to you. Stop, stop the rut syndrome. Uh, John Maxwell tells a story about, about, going, to, uh, about going to Canada. And, uh, and it was right after the summer season to, to up in North Canada, up in the parts uh, where there is, you know, not, not as many homes and things like that. And kind of almost out to the wilderness. And he talks about, um, he, they come to this place on a road, and it's a well-traveled road. 18-wheelers and different stuff moving things, you know, across the nation, uh, across the country. And he said, and as they came to this road, there was this big sign. And it was an official sign. And it said, uh, pick your rut carefully, for you will be on it for the next 26 miles. John Maxwell explained that, you know, in Canada, in, that, in the icy areas where it, most of the year it's frozen, there are these weeks in the year where it melts a little bit, summertime for them or whatever it may be. And as a result, that snow, mud, ice stuff, gets, it gets soft. And then what happens is the 18-wheelers go down that road and they create these ruts. And the bigger vehicles create these ruts. And there are multiple ruts and they're hard to get out of once you get in them because then what would happen was they get the freeze back and now all of a sudden you've got these frozen ruts, these grooves, if you will. And this sign was warning, pick your rut wisely because you're going to be in these ruts for the next 26 miles. And some of you have been in the same rut for the last 26 years. And you don't understand why life is terrible and why you don't like your life. And, and, and here's what I would challenge you to do. Stop the rut syndrome by doing something new. What if, bro? What if you just brought roses home just cause? What if you just stopped? Look, they're only fifteen dollars at Sam's Wholesale Club anyway. You can get a whole group of them for like you can get like twenty of them or twenty four of them, two dozen, and bring them home. And you know what she would do? She would look at you and go, "What did you do?" nothing. I just, I just wanted to change it up a little. What if every Friday night uh, for the next couple weeks you did something totally different that you never? Mix it up. Do something. New. What if, instead of falling asleep in front of the TV, you got the kids all in the living room just moments before everybody went to bed, and you prayed a little bit, did something new, got out of the rut, got out of that syndrome of negativity and frustration? What if, what if at your job Monday morning you showed up with the biggest bag of M&Ms and went from cubicle to cubicle and just said, "Dude, I like you, right? I don't really, but I'm trying to. All right." And you just bump, bump it, fist bumping, and giving. What if? What if at your job you took a three by five card tonight before you went to bed, prayed, and asked the Lord to give you a little something encouraging for every person who works with you or for you, if you're an employer or an employee? And you wrote a little something on three by five card. And when they got in in the morning, it was on their desk, signed by you, saying, "I just was thinking about you and praying for." You. What if you did that? What it would do is get you out of the same rut and the same situation. That you've been traveling on for 26 years Or 26 miles if you will And get you out of that by doing something new And different Friend that's what Jesus did He showed up on the planet and said Y'all been trying to figure this thing out You haven't lived according to the Torah So what I'm going to do Wa-pow something new Behold I knew do a new thing Is what he said Something new Some of you if you just changed it up But you, you got this attitude And you can't It's all I don't know what to do Life sucks this sucks everything sucks Yes, because you keep doing the same thing over and over and over again. And you know what a rut is? It's just a grave with the two ends kicked out. Wow. That's all it is. You're in a grave, and you can't get out of it because you won't try anything new. Try something new. What if? What if you changed your music, and it was worship in the mornings instead of the other junk you've been listening to? What if you didn't watch the news every day? What if? What if you tried something new and you actually, instead of watching three hours of TV, just read the Bible for 10 minutes? (laughs) Pastor, it's so hard. I know. That rut is deep, isn't it? And you just keep on that track. Difficult place. I don't know about y'all, but I'm preaching good. Hallelujah. Number four. (laughs) Number four. Number four. This will be our last one. Number four, you got to learn to tell your attitude what the Word of God says. Yeah, learn to tell your attitude what the word of God says. It's just, listen, it's just because you got that doesn't mean it's from God. Right? We all need to change. All of us. We need to change some attitudes in some areas. It's destroying our families, it's destroying our relationships at work, it's destroying our businesses. You've missed out on crazy promotions, all because of your attitude. I guarantee you, go back and look. Go back, I, I guarantee if I could look at some, if I could interview some of your former bosses and say, why did you not promote her? She's better skilled than all these other people. I guarantee you'd come back to, well, she had an attitude about this. It had to be her way or the highway, so we let it be the highway. Or she was always critical. She couldn't serve anybody. She thought she was better than all of us, and she did have more education. But her attitude kept us from being able to promote her. It's amazing. Nobody that I know in business that I know wants their company to fail so they hold down the good people. I don't know anybody like that. I just want my company to fail. You're the best we could ever have, but we're going to keep you low so that we can fail. Nobody wants to do that. So, what if maybe it's our attitude a little bit? Just check it out. Tell your attitude what the Word of God says. (laughs) Back in the day when the United States was originally being formed, you know, we sent missionaries all throughout the Native American reservations and the places to win them to Jesus. And this old Indian Christian was telling a missionary one time, That my Christian walk, it seems like there's this battle inside of me, he said. He says, there's the evil dog and the good dog, and they battle amongst each other. And the missionary asked him, so what do you do about it? He asked him, excuse me, who wins? He says, the one I feed. That's part of our problem, is that we keep feeding the bad attitudes, the old fleshly way of our living instead of the attitude of Christ, which takes humility, revelation, and action. Can I explain something to you? you got to look at your attitude and say, this is what the Word of God says you got to stop walking in insecurity every time you walk in a room and walk in a room and say, I know who I am in Christ. I am the I am the king. I am the son or daughter of the king of kings and the Lord of lords. I'm seated with him in heavenly places. Come on, somebody. You need to tell your situation, your attitude what the word of God says. He says, he'll never leave me or forsake me. So this attitude of being abandoned and this fear that I can't be successful. Listen, I am the head and not the tail. I'm the lender and not the borrower. You say, well, I'm not that right now. But you keep telling your attitude what the word of God says says and you will become what the word of God says you are and this is the breakdown for so many Christians is in an attempt to quote be authentic you give into your old way of thinking your old attitude your old ways and you don't speak the word of faith or you don't speak the word of trust and as a result the word of God becomes nil and void in your life because you keep speaking about the attitude that you feel and that you sense and how you feel about it I just feel so bad I just feel like it's not working I just feel like God's nowhere around and God's saying I'm right here and I said that I would never leave you or forsake you. If you'll start speaking that to your attitude, your attitude will change and shift and you'll look up one day and the very thing that the Word of God says you are is what you'll become. So so many people tell Jamie and I, y'all have such a great marriage and y'all are just amazing. How do y'all do it? We put the Word of God in the forefront no matter what our attitude is, no matter how we feel or how we think. What he says is this, first and foremost, he hates divorce. He don't hate divorcees, he hates divorce because it destroys relationships, it hurts people. So it doesn't even ever come up in our discussion when we have conflict and we're in conflict resolution. We don't ever start throwing things. Not only that, but the Word of God says she is his daughter. So I don't mess around with the big dog's daughter. Come on, somebody. I don't cheat on her, I don't misappropriate her, I treat her like the daughter of God that she is, and vice versa. And she constantly speaks life into me. Why? Because the Word of God tells us to. And it's changed her attitude. So when she's looking at me and says, he's a loser. Which has never happened but once, maybe. This morning. Anyway. What does she do? She applies the word of God. And says that God brought him into my life. That he is the head of our home. And I will submit to him. And he will love me like Christ loves the church. Because that's what the word of God tells us to do. you got to tell your attitude what the word of God says. And then you and I will have that shift that we're believing for. Would you stand with me all around the room? You can change your attitude. Do you believe that? Say yes. Which will change your destiny. Do you believe that? Say yes. Amen. That's what you need to know. I want you just to bow your heads with me all across the room. I want to create just a private moment for you. Set your purses down. Set your notebooks down. Set your spouse down. It's right there where where you're standing. We put a lot of effort, prayer, fasting, seeking God for you that the word of the Lord would hit its mark for you not trying to impress you trying to get you on the same page I love the way the message Bible said it so that you can come into rightness with the peace of God that you can be calibrated with the Lord this message has been messing me up because I recognize my tudes that aren't like Christ our key scripture today was let us put on the attitude of Christ I want you to close your eyes with me so you can have just a moment of undistracted interaction with God, he's here, you're here I'm here, the Lord's presence is hovering over this place living and abiding inside of most of us but as you stand there we've talked about the action changes that need to be made Do you have revelation that you have some attitudes? I pray you do. Are you willing to humble yourself and say, I need help. I need God to do something. I'll go dip seven times. It don't matter what I got to do. I'll go do it. And are you willing to act upon it? We gave you some different actions today. And as you have your head bowed and your eye closed, I want you to think about the attitude that seems to be the most prevalent in your life that's not like Jesus. That's not the attitude of Christ. What have you been thinking on that has caused this? And right there where you stand, with your head bowed and your eye closed, I want you right now to say, Lord, help me to think on those things which are lovely and honest and of a good report. You keep going back to that time that you were molested. You keep going back to that time you were misappropriated, where someone with horrible prejudice intent did you dirty. You keep going back to that, and you, you view every relationship like that. Why do you think prejudiceness abounds? Because we view it all through our experiences. And if they were negative, then we view it like that. And we have an attitude like that. And right now, here now, I want you to make a commitment to the Lord. That you're going to think on those things which are lovely. And an honest and a good report. Go back and memorize that passage in Philippians 4. Here's a second action point, And that was that we would quarantine the negative influence. I want you to, right where you stand, just make some determinations. I'm quarantining that. I'm not letting that... I, some of you built your whole friendship with a group of people on talking bad about people. Your whole your whole relationship's about what so and so ain't doing right. Your boss, your friend, you're scared you're going to be called a gossip, but really it's simply because that's your bonding point. Your whole bonding point is about is about negativity. And here and now you need to quarantine that. Then we gave you a third action point. And that was that you would do something new. you got to get out of that rut. When I was speaking, I saw it in the spirit. I saw some of you say, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah." why so I need to do something different. But you and I both know that if you don't make a decision here and now, you'll go back to doing what's comfortable. And that is just let the car ride in that rut. It's going to take some bumps to get out of it. It's going to be awkward. Might even lose some tire pressure. But you got to get out of it. Because where you're headed, is not where you want to end up. And the last action point that I gave you, is that you and I, you tell our attitude what God's word says. And right where you stand, I want you to speak un- over yourself. I am God's son. I'm God's daughter. Would you do that? I want you to tell yourself, tell your attitude. I'm the righteousness, I'm the righteousness of in, in Christ. I am the righteousness in Christ. I want you to speak that. I want you to speak over yourself, that He's for me and not against me. You need to know what the word of God says. So it's time to get back in it. Father, I pray for our congregation. I pray for men and women who come to church on the hill, call this their home, who are visiting and just trying to check out if we're their people. I pray for every man and woman connected even to this message, even by way of the internet podcast. I pray now that our attitudes will begin shifting, changing. We can change our attitudes. And thereby change our destiny. Father, we thank you right now for a now word for all of us. For myself included. And I ask you, God. I ask you, God, to give revelation. And I pray, Lord, that we would respond in humility like Naaman finally did. And then put the actions in place. Putting the actions in place without humility, without revelation, just because the preacher said it. It won't work. We have to see that thing that's so negative about us. That attitude that's pushing people away from our friendships. Lord God, that attitude that's causing strain in, in, in our jobs. Lord, that attitude that's kept us from being promoted. That attitude that's put a put a distance between us and you, God. Because we felt like you didn't do what you said you were going to do. God, please, bring revelation now. And then, Lord, we'll humble ourselves. And then, Lord, we'll put the actions into place keep your head bowed and your eye closed for just a moment I've just got a couple of seconds and I would be heartbroken today if you came to our church you experienced God's presence, you can feel Him, He's here you can sense Him and you walked out of this place still being estranged from Him I want you to think about it like this the question that all of us have to answer when we die where will we go friend listen to me if you died today, the Bible says each and every one of us have an appointment with death and then the judgment. It doesn't matter if you don't want the appointment, you can't cancel the appointment. It's been set. You and I will die eventually. But let's say it's today for you. You go out to this intersection up the road, you go through the stoplight, and an 18-wheeler runs the opposite direction, his T-bones you, you're immediately dead, and you stand in front of Jesus Christ. What will he say to you? Will he look at you and say, oh, Oh, this is, I've been waiting for this moment. I love you so much. And you, you know, trying to be real and authentic, kind of got your head down going, yeah, but I'm sorry, Jesus. I didn't do this right. I didn't do this right. He looks at you and says, but you're mine. You made me Lord of your life. And yeah, you were learning some things, but you were mine. Or will he look at you with big tears in his eyes and say, why did you push me away? I tried to help you. You never let me be Lord of your life. I even got that little preacher guy up at church on the hill. He's spitting and dancing just to get your attention, and you still didn't want me. I'm sorry. Depart from me, you worker of iniquity. Friend, don't be in that second category today. Don't push him away another time. See, today is the day of salvation. While God is dealing with your heart, you feel it and you sense it. Respond now. Don't wait till you get it all fixed. You can't fix it all. If you could fix it all, we wouldn't have needed Jesus. Days is a day of surrender. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're not a Christian today or you've walked away from God at some season in your life and you want to come home, I'd like to bring you back to the Lord. You say, well, Pastor, what do I have to do? Listen, let me tell you something. Jesus already did it all. When he died on that cross 2,000 years ago, he prepaid for every sin that you've ever committed and every sin you'll ever commit. He paid it forward. There's an account with your name on it with grace written all over it. And everything you've ever done, everything you'll ever do, it's already been covered. You say, well, how do I access that account? I'm so glad you asked. The Bible says it like this. If you'll confess with your mouth, believe in your heart that he is the Christ. The Son of the Living God. In other words, what it's saying, if you'll make Him the Lord of your life, you'll have access to all the accounts that He bought and paid for. Grace and mercy will be extended to you. If that's you. If I'm speaking to you, say, Pastor, I'm away from God. I want to come home, or I've never been a Christian. I don't want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. I'd like to pray with you. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you forward. I'm not going to spotlight you. This is a private decision. I know it's a public venue, but it's a private decision. So I want to keep it as private, but as sincere and real. As it needs to be, with no one looking around, just me, Jesus, and you. No one looking around. If I'm speaking to you, God's tugging at your heart. You're not a Christian. You're away from God and you want to come home. I want to pray with you. Would you just lift your hand right where you're at and I'll pray for you? God bless you, sir. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, ma'am. God bless you. Who else? Thank you, ma'am. Thank you. Thank you for your honesty. Thank you, bro. Thank you, sir. God bless you, woman of God. Thank you, sir. And thanks for your honesty. Thanks for being authentic. Thank you so much. You can put your hands down. I'll give you about two more seconds. If you didn't get your hand up, quickly throw it up miss God, don't push him away again he got you here, he wants you he wants a relationship with you, amen you can put your hands down now I'm going to lead you in a prayer of repentance see, can I explain something to you he's already done it all you've got to do is join in with it see, this prayer that we're about to pray, it'd be like this it'd be like if we were at a party and my best friend Jesus was sitting over at a table and then I met you and I said, dude, you've got to meet my best friend Jesus, and I grabbed you by the hand I brought you over to Jesus, I said, Jesus this is Tom, you got to know him and you guys begin talking. That introduction is what I'm about to do. It's a prayer of repentance, but I'm going to introduce you, and then your relationship's going to build a little bit more every day. Every day. He's going to fill you with His Holy Spirit and give you power to overcome all the temptations of life, but we've got to come before Him. So I want to lead you in this prayer. In fact, I want you to repeat it after me with all of your heart, and I'm going to ask the entire congregation to say it out loud so you're not by yourself, but let's say it like this. Say, Jesus. No, do better than that. Jesus. Today, I surrender my life, my wants, my desires. I ask you now to forgive me of my sin. I acknowledge that I'm a sinner, but I also acknowledge that you paid for my sin. I accept your forgiveness. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on a cross for my sins. Write my name in your book of life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I promise to serve you all the days of my life. And I declare, Jesus, say it again, Jesus is my Lord. Amen. Keep your head bowed for just a moment. Father, I pray for every man and woman who lifted their hand. Even those who wanted to but just didn't quite get it up. But they prayed that prayer with genuine, genuine love relationship for you. I pray right now, the peace of God that surpasses all understanding to now guard their heart and mind because they are yours Lord some of them are going to start thinking yeah but what about those old drugs yeah but what about the situation with my spouse Lord God I just pray all of that would settle they got a new start it's going to take a while to learn to walk in the new shoes to drive the new car but Lord they got you every moment of the day and if they die they're going to be wrapped in your arms you're going to say I've been waiting for this moment say, but, but I just, I didn't know what I was doing. It's brand new. It don't matter. You're mine. Forever you're mine. Let that peace come over them. And when they walk out of this building today, they can hold their shoulders back, stick their chest out, hold their he- head up high, knowing that, you know what? Jesus is in my life and I'm in his. Nothing else really matters. We'll figure the rest of it out one day at a time. Let these things be true and everything else be alive. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen and amen.